Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we help you navigate the emotional and promotional sides of your job search and change careers with confidence. My name is Martin McGovern, founder and lead coach at Career Therapy, and today I'm excited to share with you a special talk that I gave via Twitter Spaces this past week to the students of the Harare Institute of Technology in Southern Africa. Throughout the talk, we discuss questions around interviewing, storytelling, how to tailor your CV resume to fit the job you want, and we even answer the taboo topic of lying on your resume. This was an incredibly fun talk, and I'm glad we recorded it and are able to share it with you today. Thank you for tuning into the Career Therapy Podcast. And if you like this show, please leave us a review on iTunes, like and subscribe on YouTube, and share this episode with other professionals you know who are struggling or stuck in their job search. Now sit back and enjoy the episode. Thank you so much. And thanks everyone for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Now I know resumes and job interviews are two very specific parts of the job search with, uh, you know, a well of information behind each one. So I'll be looking to the chat here and to your questions to see which direction you're most interested in going and really digging deep on. Um, But generally speaking, when it comes to building your, when it comes to approaching the job search in the right way, there are a lot of things to take into account. Uh, For instance, when it comes to your resume, a lot of times we take a very self-focused approach to both the resume and the job interview. And this is a very normal thing that happens. It's actually kind of taught and encouraged by a lot of career resources on Indeed and other websites online to really look at yourself, right? To look at, to hyper-focus on your passions, your wants, your desires. And these are really important things for us to think about and understand and really dig into. But there's also a negative side to it, where if we're too hyper-focused on ourselves, we forget that there's a company that we're supposed to be talking to. And the company has its own issues and problems and wants and desires. And so if we're over here just talking about all the things we want, I want this much pay, I want this kind of work, I want this kind of job, I want these kinds of people, I want this kind of environment. And we go out there and we start talking about our wants, it's disconnected from what the company is in need of. And they won't hear our wants as uh, strongly as we think them, right? What they're gonna hear is someone who is too self-focused, wants too much, doesn't understand the give and take of the job search. And so what we need to do when we're building our resume or when we're going into interviews is we need to take a more balanced approach. And I almost push us to go even a little further than that and take a much more them first approach to the job search. And so what that means is we start by saying, we start by asking the question, what does the company need? What problems do they have? What skills do I have that solve their problems? And by switching our mindset there, we can actually approach the resume, the cover letter, and the interview in a much more collaborative way that builds rapport, builds trust, builds confidence, and increases your chances of getting the job. So I'm going to look at the the pinned tweet here for any questions that come up. Uh, please feel free to share any and all questions so that we can 
dive down different um, topics that you find most interesting in this space. Thank you. And I like what you just said uh, about building rapport with the company. And I think it's 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 been a system now with uh, a lot of us because I think uh, uh, the audience that we have we have here are mostly students who are in university and those who have just finished. And I've seen when it comes to applying, be it internship or you know just getting ready for the job market, people just send. They just look for emails and they just send. Um, e they just send their resumes and cover letters. Uh, just like that without even doing like the research about the company. So I just like that you actually mentioned that. Absolutely. So, and if um, you think about that, right? Like think about sending a resume to someone who doesn't know who you are, right? Imagine if I just out of the blue sent you a PDF of my coaching services and you weren't looking for a job. You'd be like, what's this about? Right. There's no context. There's no background. There's no story. There's no relationship. So people will just ignore it. And then we find ourselves in that situation where we're sending out all this stuff and we're never hearing back and we start to feel like this is all hopeless. So I think uh, to start this off, oftentimes we find ourselves asking the question, why are they even asking this question? Yeah. And um, I also wondered the same thing until I stumbled upon uh, your, your your view or your answer to that isn't to, your answer to why they even ask that question. And the question yeah, we might say sound a bit silly and uh, tell me about yourself question. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and uh, so I actually like uh, what you said about um, what the company is seeking to sort of like understand. And I'm not going to dig deep into that. I'm going to let you um, dive into that. So if you can just tell us what what's really going into the mound if mind of an interviewer when they ask that question and what are they looking from us and how can we answer that question better and you can also you can just close also by just giving us an example of how you would ask that question how you'd answer that question uh when uh interviewing for for for, for a job post of your choice of course so i'll just leave that yeah, it's it's a it's one of those funny ones, right? Because it's asked at the beginning of every interview. It's in every list of top interview questions that you'll probably be asked at some point, right? It comes up all the time. And I always think the funniest thing about it is that it's not even a question. It's a statement, right? Tell me about yourself. It's a demand. <laughs> and this demand is just like terrifying for most people because tell me about yourself is this existential question that kind of hits us where we feel least confident, right? What's interesting about the job search is that you're, we're sort of being pressured to have a solid sense of self during a time in which our life is in flux and change, right? So when someone says, tell me about yourself, and you've been searching for a job for a while and been rejected by a few places or whatever it might be, you're already feeling pretty insecure and you're already feeling kind of like, I don't even know what I want or am I going the right direction? You've all these like doubts and insecurities, right? And then you get hit with this existential question that puts you through a loop because you're like, well, what do I talk about? Do I talk about my childhood? Do I talk about my education? Do I talk about my previous jobs? Do I talk about the future? Do I talk about 
you know, what I like to do with my hobbies, you know, the, the topics are, are numerous and infinite. And so what ends up happening is we just fumble the ball and we don't know what to say. But I always like to go back to what you said earlier, which is what is going on in the mind of the interviewer? All right. Again, taking that focus off of ourselves and putting the focus on the other person that we're interacting with. Right. What is going on in the mind of the interviewer? And most interviewers, we sort of think that they're like these, I don't know, maybe omniscient or like we put them up on a pedestal in some strange ways, right? We, we think like, oh, well, they work here, so they're going to be judging me. They're in a chair that's slightly higher than mine, right? They're the ones who start the call or show up late or whatever the thing might be. They're the ones in charge is the way that we look at it, right? And when we look at it that way, we sort of have this us versus them mindset that puts us at, at uh, in, in kind of a defensive mode. So then we get asked this question, tell me about yourself, and we get defensive. We go, well, I don't, I don't, what do you want from me? And I've literally, I do mock interviews all the time, and I've had someone say, I, I always open it with tell me about yourself. And I had someone say, well, where do you want me to start? And now we're like, imagine starting an interview that way. Tell me about yourself. Where do you want me to start? I don't know. Wherever you want to start. Well, I don't know what you want to know. Well, I don't know what you want to tell me. And now you're having an argument about nothing. It's, it's wild, right? And so what we need to do instead is realize that the interviewer is not a perfect person. The interviewer has probably not been trained on how to interview people. The interviewer is probably nervous. The interviewer probably got pulled into this meeting away from their other work and is stressed out because they have a meeting that they have to get to after this. And this was sort of dumped on them at the last minute. And they're feeling unsure of what to ask. And they don't really, they didn't get a chance to look at your resume or your LinkedIn. And they don't really know what what they're supposed to be doing and they don't want to look bad in front of their boss and they don't want to mess up, but they don't, you know, they have all these fears and anxieties too. So we can look at them as a real human rather than this like being that's judging us. And when we actually stop and we say, well, what is this person really asking me? Right? What do they really want to know? The answer might be really simple. It could be, they have no idea. They have no clue what they want to know. They're only asking you that question because five minutes before the interview, they went on the internet and downloaded a list of the 10 most popular interview questions. And this was at the top of it. So they might be asking that question of you with no intent, but we as a job seeker who's insecure hear it with all this like gravitas, right? And so I always like to say what an interviewer is actually asking you when they ask a really bad question, like tell me about yourself, what they're actually asking you is, I don't know how to start this interview and I'm unprepared. Could you kick things off for us? Can you start the conversation? So it's not an existential question to put you on your heels and make you defensive. It's a plea for help from the interviewer for you to kick things off so that they don't have to because they don't know what to say. They don't know how to start a conversation. They don't really, they're not good at interviewing, right? They just want to get back to work and go home and have dinner and take a nap, you know? So what we can do is we can say, well, how do I want to start this interview? What information do I want to share that's going to set up this conversation in a positive way, right? 
Now, if I start answering that question, I go, tell me about yourself. Okay, I'm going to start with, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. And I went to high school at this high school. And I went to college at this college. Already you're bored. The interviewer is like, where is this going? What, what are we talking about? Why is he telling me about this childhood? Right? So when we answer the question, we want it to be relevant. And we want to set up ideas that we're going to validate throughout the rest of the interview. All right. So I like to break this down into three parts, past, present, and future. What did you do that got you to where you are today? What do you currently do that helps the company? And why are we talking about this role in the future? All right. So if you really break that down, right, let's say someone was a teacher and now they want to be a UX designer okay a user experience designer so they would say something as simple as hello thanks for coming in tell me about yourself well my name is john smith and i started my career in education teaching high school history and what i learned about myself in that role is that i actually have a real knack for building and designing education systems and curriculum and helping people learn in easy to understand ways. That led me to make a career transition into user experience design, where I could take all of those same skills and apply them to websites where I can help simplify information and make things easier for users to interact with. That's why I'm so excited to talk to you today about this user experience role. Find out more about what your customers need and see how we can build systems and improve your website to solve those issues and, and make the experience better for your users. So past, what I learned from the past that got me to where I am today, how I help companies with the skills I have, and why I'm excited for this role in the future. So instead of, you know, hearing this question and getting really scared, we can hear this question because we know it's coming so we can be prepared and we can say, I want them to know that I love building simplified systems and that I'm a UX designer who's excited for this role. Here's how I got to where I am today and here's how I can help. And it's that here's how I can help piece that we have to really focus on. Because remember, when we're thinking about the company and the company's problems, our skills only matter insofar as they solve the company problems, okay? A company's not going to pay us because we're, you know, a nice person. They're not going to give us an opportunity just because. They want a return on that investment. They pay you a salary so that they can make five times as much off of that salary that they're paying you. And improve the revenue of the business or save five times as much as they, they pay you. So remember, every interaction you have with a business, every job you get is an interaction that makes them more wealthy and you get paid as, an, as a result of that. We interrupt today's episode to let you know about Career Therapy's Unstuck Coaching Program. If you're feeling paralyzed by job search procrastination and unsure of what to do next in your career, we're here to help. Each month as a member, you will get access to two one-on-one -on -one coaching calls, unlimited virtual chat with your coach via Slack, 
invitations to bi-weekly group coaching sessions, and lifetime access to our eight-part job search curriculum. Want to take your search to the next level? Head over to careertherapy.com and schedule a free 15-minute consultation to chat with me today and see if coaching is right for you. Now, back to our show. Goes back to what you said again about showing what you offer to the company. I think that's what will make them really interested in you. So, um, and uh, the other thing is, no matter how we sort of like prepare for interviews, interviews are generally nerve-wracking and it's really not natural for us to sit in a room or over a video call answering specific questions having to show ourselves in a certain way, knowing that the way we perform or determine knowing that the way we perform or act will determine whether or, or, or not we get the elusive uh, job offer we want. And uh, often times we find ourselves extremely nervous and you, we ramble like <laughs> some people are just naturally, naturally we, we ramble. Uh, so uh, my question to you now would be uh, how can we sort of like manage our nervousness and sound more confident because uh, I think we can sort of like um, merge it with another question that I had for you later on, uh, which was, yes, we might pop in an interview, but and we can't avoid that. So what can we sort of like do when we mess up? Because we can't avoid messing up, but how can we recover for, for, from, from that mess up and make sure that we, 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 we get that offer? I love this question. And I think it's, it's so important to start here. And I, I see a couple other questions in the thread that I definitely want to address as well um, in regards to what other questions are asked. And I think this all sort of plays together. The first piece that you're talking about here, the rambling and the nervousness and the, and the knowledge that we're going to mess up. So, the interview is all about building trust and instilling confidence. It's not about being perfect. And so if you really think about that, what that means is most of us who are prepping for interviews are prepping incorrectly. We're prepping in an attempt to be perfect, in an attempt to say all the right things, to answer every question perfectly, to say we have every skill, to, to make them believe we're perfect for the role. There is no such thing as someone who's perfect for the role. There's just people that are better or more aligned for a role. But most companies, when they post that job description, they know they're not going to find someone who has 100% of the things. At best, they're going to find someone with like 60, 70% of those things. And if they did find someone with 100% of those things, they shouldn't hire that person for that role. They should hire that person for the more senior role and pay them more. So if we go in with this idea that we have to be perfect, it, it can really mess us up because it prevents us from being relaxed. Maybe sometimes, you know, people will try and memorize their answers. And if you've ever been on stage or giving a talk or anything for a class, and you've memorized your speech and then you forgot one of the bullets or one of the points you were trying to make, it's really hard to get back on track. It's much better to know the general story and then improv than it is to recite something that you've memorized. Because 
they're never going to ask the questions exactly how you studied them, right? That you're going to be like, okay, they're going to ask me a question about my strengths and weaknesses. And then you get in there and they ask it just slightly different. They ask like, what's something you struggle with in your role? That's a weakness question, but it's asked in a way that isn't in the weakness format. So we might mess up. So what we want to do instead is we want to allow ourselves to mess up, know that we're going to mess up and know that it, it's okay to mess up because everyone messes up something in every single interview. Very rarely do you find someone who is just absolutely perfect unless it's like their job, like they're in sales or they're a career coach. But I'm a career coach and I mess up in interviews all the time. I'm a rambler. I'm rambling right now, right? So what happens when you ramble? Let's say you know you're a rambler. You go off on tangents, you tell stories, you kind of steer, you know, steer away from the main point. Well, I know that about myself and I used to freak out. So if I was in an interview and they asked me a question and I start veering off on a tangent, like I am with this answer, I would realize it and then I would freeze, you know, fight, flight, or freeze. You can't really fight in an interview and you can't really flight, you can't run away. So I, you would just freeze. So I would get myself tongue tied and I would just sit there and go, oh my gosh, and then freeze. And I wouldn't know how to get back on track until I realized that I think I'm just always going to be a little bit of a rambler. So maybe I should embrace it and not fear it. And so now when I'm in an interview and I start rambling and I catch myself rambling, what I do is I reframe it as excitement. And I say to the interviewer, I go, sorry, I get really excited about these topics. And I went on a little bit of a tangent there. Can I restate the question and give you a simpler answer? And 99% of the time they go, sure, because they're, they're barely paying attention because interviewers aren't perfect either. And they want you to recite what you were saying in a simpler way. So whatever your thing is, just know that the mess up isn't what's going to mess you up. It's how you respond to the mess up that's going to be an issue. Another example of this, let's say you're going after a technical role and they ask you a really technical question and you don't know the answer to it or you've never used that technology before, whatever it might be. They're going to say, uh, hey, have you ever worked with this? Or what do you think about this? And you're going to start giving your answer and you're going to realize you're wrong. Instead of just freezing or trying to like flub it up or something like that, what we can do is we can say, you know, I think I need to do a little more research on that. How is your company currently using this technology? Because I can go home and get up to speed on that within, you know, three to six weeks and be ready to go on day one. Um, and I want to make sure I'm studying the right stuff. And then you go home and you send a thank you note. And in the thank you note, you say, um, appreciate you asking that question about the technology and giving me a little bit of uh, background on how you use it. I'm currently studying X, Y, or Z thing or taking a Udemy course or whatever to get back up to speed and look forward to seeing how I can bring value to the team. So your recovery is more important than the mess up. If you just mess up and then you stand there awkwardly and then wait for the next question, that's detrimental. If you mess up and then say, well, I messed up, but I can still bring value to the team and try and pivot that conversation a little bit, you can really come back from a failure. And so we're not trying to avoid mess ups. 
we're trying to get better at recovering when we mess up. And that's a very improv thing to do. It's like improvisation is, is saying yes and. So it's like I messed up and I can still do this other thing. Or I answered it this way and I can add in this additional context, right? And so it's all about just trying to build that connection, build that trust and build that rapport because they're not looking for a perfect person. They're looking for a trustworthy person because what they're saying is we're going to put you on this assignment and we're going to have to trust that with enough time and access to Google, you can figure out how to do this work. You don't need to know how to do it all on day one. But if we give you enough time and access to Google, can we trust you to do it so that we don't have to think about it? And the answer is, well, of course I can do that. And here's how. Okay, yeah, thank you. And I love, uh, again, I loved what you just said. It's not uh, the mess up, it, it's not the mess up that going, that's going to ruin your interview, but it's basically how you respond to it. Uh, and you sort of like touched on another question that I had for you, which was uh, in technical interviews, let's say I get asked a question that I don't know, how do I respond to it? But I think you actually touched on it, right? So I think <laughs> well, we, I can, I can we'll leave that, that one. Just a little bit, if, if people want just a slight bit of clarification. So let's say they say, have you ever worked with Python? All right, and let's say you haven't worked with Python. You can say, while I haven't worked with Python specifically, I have worked with these other languages and I'm pretty good at getting up to speed within three to six weeks on a new language because once you've learned one, it's really easy to learn others. How is your team currently using Python and what are some of the things you'd recommend I study to be ready to go on day one? That's how you answer a question about not knowing the answer. Perfect. Uh, thank you for that addition. Uh, I'm seeing a question here, which is similar to another one that I had too. So I think we'll jump right into that. So I'll read uh, what the person wrote here, which is uh, what, information, what information is an absolute no on a resume? So I'll just add on to like, uh, like my thought on this uh, so that you can just answer the, sure. the, the question. Uh, combined to what I had. So I also have found myself being asked uh, a question, being uh, a, a former Google Developer Student Club lead at my campus. I've had uh, students who are going for attachment asking me the question, what should we add on our resume? And uh, should we be adding our results? And should we <laughs> alter like uh, our results, let's say, um, I know the grading system differs, but let's say I got, a, I got a P, which is the least pass mark that you can get when it's uh, according to our grading system. Should I alter it? Do they really see it if I'm to edit it on, edit on my resume? So my question was, um, was uh, so in terms of that, like how honest should you be in an interview uh, are there some things that I should lie about? And if they are, what sort of like things should I lie about? So uh, <laughs> I think you can, you can combine it with this guy's question, which was um, uh, what, what information is an absolute no? Like what shouldn't you tell the 
the the interviewer or what shouldn't you put on your resume so you can just sort of like combine those questions and just give us sure. a general so let's start with what not to do um a lot of times in someone's summary it'll say things like trying to break into x industry or looking to get my first job or like looking to get a foot in the door don't downplay your experience you always want to give your experience the appropriate amount of weight or maybe even skew it a little bit higher but you never want to downplay your work and your experience right like if i were to tell you like um i'm a career coach and you know I'm trying to help people with their job search. That's much different than I'm a career coach who helps people with their job search. You don't need those negative qualifiers. It just makes you come across as insecure. And if you're insecure, you're not building trust and confidence. And if you're not building trust and confidence, then they won't trust you. you they're going to trust you if you trust you. If you believe you can do the job, then you can instill that belief in another person. But if you don't believe you can do the job, it's going to be very hard to convince someone else, right? Like if I was trying to get a job in data science, which I'm terrible at, and I was like, hey, um, I really don't, I don't know, like I just want to kind of learn more about data science and like get into the field. No one's going to hire me because I'm, I'm not confident. But if you can state clearly what you are capable of, it comes across much better. Now, this brings us to the lies. <laughs> do you lie? How much do you lie? What is a lie? <laughs> what is a white lie? What is a real lie? Um, this is where I always say, talk to companies how they talk to you. Only give them as much information as they need to make a decision. Don't overshare. And that's the issue when we feel insecure is we tend to overshare, right? So they ask us, hey, have you ever worked with Python? And we go, well, I mean, I kind of worked with Python. I worked with it like a little bit, like for like three weeks, and then I stopped working on it. And it's been a while and I probably need to refresh myself. But like, I don't know, I, I, I kind of know Python, but I kind of don't. It's a terrible answer, right? You're not confident. Now they're not confident and they're gonna just put you in the doesn't know Python um, bucket. So what we need to do is say, I have used Python. Here is the extent to which I've used Python. And here's how I can use Python in this role, right? Have you ever created content in the past? Here's the extent to which I've created content. Here are my abilities to create content in the future. And here's how it can help in this role, right? So what we need to do is we need to talk towards the positive the same way the company talks towards the positive. You know what companies are not telling you? They're not telling you that you only need 60% of what's in the job description, right? How many people look at a job description and go, well, I could never get that job, right? Well, you might be able to get that job because the company's kind of lying. They're saying, here's all the things that we need in this person, but then they hire someone who doesn't have all those things. So that's kind of a lie, right? They're overselling themselves. They're overselling the role. Also, how many people on this call have gotten a job before and then you get there and the role is completely different than what they said it was going to be? I had a client recently who said, I got a job, I started the role, 
And within two weeks, they said, actually, we don't need that role anymore. So we're going to put you on this other project doing this completely other thing that you didn't even interview for. And they were like, what the heck is this? This isn't what I signed up for. You can't just change it, but they can and they do. So I always say, treat companies how they treat you. Talk to companies how they talk you talk to you. If a company can be a bit boisterous and a bit self-aggrandizing and a bit um, showy in how they talk about themselves, a bit overconfident, well, then we can be a little bit overconfident. If a company doesn't have to tell you all the things that are bad about their company before you start, you don't have to tell them about all your insecurities. I've never heard a company say to a prospective employee, the reason that this role is open is because we laid off 30% of our workforce a year ago, and we have a really overworked staff, and a bunch of people are burnt out and quitting, and we have to replace them. But how many companies is that true for? A large percentage. I've never heard a company say, um, we're going to bring you on, and then you're not really going to have any growth opportunities here. Every company says that you have growth opportunities, right? Every company says they have a great culture. Every company says that this is going to be your dream job and you're going to, it's going to make or break your career. Are these things true? They could be true if things go 100% according to plan, which never happens, right? So we need to talk to them how they talk to us. Can you do this job? If you believe you can, say, yes, I can do this job. Have you done these specific things before? No, I've not done them before, but I'm a smart, capable person who can learn. And here's what I think I could do well and bring to the team, right? Speak confidently. Speak to what you can do, what you could do, what you will do, rather than what you have done in the past. I think job seekers rely too much on their past to make them feel good when your past is not always a great indicator of your future, right? Let's say you were in a job that wasn't aligned with your skill set. Like there was a job that I had once that was 100% spreadsheets and data. Terrible job for me to talk about in an interview because I never want to do a job that is 100% spreadsheets and data. So if someone were to ask me, like, how confident do you feel about your professional skills in that moment? Pretty lacking in confidence because I was doing things that weren't aligned with my skill set. But if they said, what do you want to do in the future, even if you haven't done it yet, I could say working with customers, doing interviews, blah, 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 blah. And I could talk confidently about the skills that I know I have. So talk to companies how they talk to you. Be confident, focus on the positive, downplay the negative, because they're doing that too, and try and build confidence. That would be what I would say in that. Did I cover all the aspects of that question? I know there were a few parts there. I think you covered all of them. Thank you. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, it's important that we focus on the positives because even if no, the, 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 if we mention any negative thing, it's what will stick in their brains, and we might likely lose uh, the role we, we we are applying for. And, yeah, even um, something as simple as that phrase, "I'm trying to break into X industry." No, you're not. You're not trying to break into an industry. You're helping companies in that industry accomplish these outcomes. There's a big difference between I'm trying to break in and 
my skills help you do these things. One is about you and it's about insecurity. The other is about them and it's about your ability to solve problems. Yeah, true. Uh, I think we just got to the other question that is here. That is um, interesting to ask if you are asked what I would like to know. So I think this is sort of like a trend in all interviews again that towards the end of the interview, they will ask if you have any questions. Mm. So what, 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 what sort of questions uh, should we sort of, should we be asking them? Uh, what would you say on that one? Yeah. So again, we go back to what the purpose of an interview is. The purpose of an interview is for you to instill confidence and trust in the person that you're talking to about your capabilities to do the job, all right? You want them to leave that conversation going, I can trust this person to do a good job, right? If, if, if you can do that, you're gonna really set yourself up for success. But how do we do that, right? Well. Throughout the interview, we want to understand what this role is, understand what the problems are, and share stories about what we've done in the past that have given us the skills that we can then use in the future in this role. And one of the things that happens, though, is that we don't know everything about the role. You read the job description, and you know most of that is a lie. You talk to the person and they say things that are very ambiguous and don't give us very clear answers, right? So we get to the end of the interview and they say, what questions do you have for me? And we get nervous because we don't know what questions to ask because we just spent the whole time answering questions and now they're flipping it on us, right? So people tend to ask really bad questions. They ask questions like, what's the culture like? Well, if you ask that question, what kind of an answer are you going to get? Is someone going to tell you we have a really bad culture and you don't want to work here? Chances are not, right? What person who is currently being paid to represent the company in an interview is going to tell you the truth about the company culture? Probably nobody. <laughs> if you want to learn about what the company culture is actually like, go talk to someone who got fired or quit. They're going to tell you all the answers. That's what networking is for. You might ask a question like, how many days do I get off? Like, what's the vacation policy? Is that a good answer? No, it's a terrible, or is that a good question? It's a terrible question. And the reason it's a terrible question is because if I were talking to someone about a job, I'm thinking about how this person's gonna come in, do a good job, solve our problems and make the company better. And then that person says, when do I get to go on vacation? And I go, oh, this is one of the people that just wants to go on vacation and get a paycheck. Okay, so they're not going to put in a lot of effort because their priority is vacation. The questions you ask show what you care about. And you have to remember, we're still in the interview. We're still trying to get this company to want us, right? Maybe at the end, when we get to the negotiation, you should be really critical. Once they've offered you the job, once you've won their approval and they want you, and they say they want you, that's when you get to say, how much vacation do I get? I want more. How much money do I get? I want more. How many opportunities for you know additional learning do I get? I want more. Do I get a take home, a, a home office stipend? When, you, when you're in the negotiation phase, 
then you can be more critical and then you can ask deeper questions and then you can get all that information. But if you're in the first interview or the second interview and you don't even know if you're going to be called back and you're just trying to leave a good impression, what we need to do is we have to ask questions that signal our values. All right. And what should, what do they want to feel about your values? A company wants to have employees that care about the growth of the company. And of course the employees are going to grow if the company grows, right? You get mentorship if the company is doing well enough to have enough time to give you mentorship, right? You get paid more if the company is doing well enough to bring in revenue to pay you more. You get promoted if the company is doing well enough to be hiring new people and opening up new roles and promoting. So all of our success comes from the company's success, or at least that's the mindset we should have when we're asking these questions. So we can ask questions that are much better than how much am I, how much vacation am I going to get? What's the company culture like? Um, you know, what time do people come into the office and leave the office? Like, again, these are things you can ask at the negotiation, but not, not necessarily the best questions in the first or second interview when you're asking questions. So what, what do we ask instead? Well, we have to realize that we're still being assessed by the company and that they're going to take our questions and put it through a lens of this is what this person cares about. So what I want to ask in the first few interviews are performance based questions. What are the expectations of this role 30, 60 and 90 days in? How will I be assessed against those educate uh, those expectations? How often will I be meeting with my manager to discuss priorities and workload? What are the attributes you're looking for in your next hire for this role? What did the previous person who was in this role do really well that made them stand out? These are questions that will force the interviewer to say, oh, well, for our next hire, we want someone who is really people-oriented or data-oriented or research-oriented. And then you can follow up that answer with an additional example of how you are that thing. So you say, you ask the question, what kind of attributes are you looking for in a new hire? They say, we're looking for someone who is data-oriented. And you get to say, oh, that's great. In my previous role, here's how I worked with data, and I really do enjoy it. Um, I'd be able to bring that skill into this role. How do you see that playing out? And now you're ending the interview with this really great back and forth about what they care about. You can also ask a question like, is there anything that we, that you were hoping to, to ask me about today that we didn't get to yet? That often brings up like, oh no, we really need to know this one answer before we wrap up. And you can address that question, right? So there's a lot of good things you can ask, right? This is just one perspective on it. But what we don't want to ask are empty questions that don't go anywhere. Like, what's the company culture? First of all, the company culture differs depending on which team you're on. If you have a great manager, it might be a great company culture. If you have a bad manager, it might be a crappy company culture, even though you're all at the same company. So we want to ask questions that help us understand what our role is going to be, what our expectations are going to be, what we're going to be assessed on, right? I was in an interview once and I said, 
what's like the core skill you need from someone in this role? And they said, we need someone who can analyze data and predict things from it. And I went, ooh, I should not move on to the next interview. <laughs> in my head, I was like, please don't put me in the next interview. I don't want this job, right? Because I'm not a data person. And what I ended up doing in that, in that situation was I said, I'm actually not that much of a data person, but I'm good at working with the data people because I'm more of like a people person as a coach. And so what they did was they opened up a different role for me, hired me as a coach, and then paired me up with the data person that they hired to work together on those solutions. So you can actually find yourself a new role in the company just by asking great questions. Yeah, thank you for that one. I'm seeing that we don't have much time. I'm supposed to leave the time for you to just talk about uh, anything that we might want to share that we might have left. But I'll just ask a quick one. I've seen a couple of resumes uh, right now, like a lot of templates online and other people's resumes. And you see like these uh, neatly done resumes that actually look good. And uh, you also find other people that also say, um, um, let's say like simple is better. Like they say boring is better actually. That's uh, the term that usually <laughs> use. So what would you say? Should it be sort of like uh, nice, nicely decorate our resumes or or boring is, is, is better? What would you say? And after answering that question, you can just jump into uh, just sharing with us what you think is vital for us to know uh, that we might have left out during this whole talk. Sure thing. So I actually just tweeted um, my simplest resume template. I just put it uh, a link to the Google Doc in the Twitter chat or in the in the thread there. Um, if anyone wants to click on that link and go to the Google Doc and then save a copy to your Google Drive, don't ask, don't request access. Just make a copy and then you can use the template. Um, I do believe that simpler is better with everything in the job search and in communications in general. Right? Um, the simpler you can communicate something, the easier it is for someone to understand, and the more confidence they're going to have in you to be able to do it. So when it comes to your resume, there's a million different ways to make a resume, right? There's no one right way to do it, um, but there are a lot of wrong ways to do it, <laughs> right? And so what we end up doing is we go online and we look up templates and we look up all this stuff and some people pay for templates and some people upload their information into a resume builder and then that exports a thing that doesn't get read very well by the ATS. There's all this stuff that gets into it. The ATS is an applicant tracking system. It's what reads your resume compares the keywords in your resume to the job description, and then rank orders you amongst all the other applicants. And typically what we find with the ATS systems is that they're kind of stupid <laughs> and they can't read everything perfectly. So if you have a lot of images in your resume or you have a lot of like funky text and fonts and different things like that, or if you have a lot of columns and, and breaks and margins and different stuff like that, or tables, it gets all confused and it doesn't read your resume right. So the reason I put this uh, simplest resume template um, up on Twitter is because just a Word document or a Google document that is full width with all your information, one to two pages, doesn't really matter as long as the information is in there. 
that is easy to scan by a human or a machine, is easy to understand, meaning there's not big paragraphs, there's bullet points. Um, the bullet points make sense. They're cause and effect. I did this thing to achieve this outcome, or I did this thing with this technology to achieve this outcome. So cause and effect, right? Built a curriculum to educate students on these topics, cause and effect, right? And throw in numbers where you can, where you have them. Don't make up numbers unless, you know, you're really good at BSing. I don't know. But <laughs> I typically say don't lie, don't make things up because people are terrible liars and they'll screw themselves up. Um, put in what's accurate and what you can talk about in an interview. The bullets of your resume should be the baseline for the stories you tell in the interview. So every question you get asked in the interview should be answered with a single example of a specific story. Tell me about your strengths. My strength is empathetic listening. Here's an example of a time that I used empathetic listening with a client, and here's how I can use it at your company. Tell me about your weaknesses. My weakness is data analysis. Here's an example of a time that I was asked to do data analysis and it didn't go very well. And here's how I should be par partnered up on a team in the future in order to work best and get that data analyzed. Tell me about a time you had a conflict with a coworker. I was working at this company on this project. I had this conflict with this person. We addressed it in this way and got this result. And here's what I learned from that that I will be able to use in the future anytime a conflict arises. Really simple stories that are rooted in the bullets of your resume. So in your resume, you can say, worked on this project to achieve this outcome. And then in the interview, you say, that project that got that outcome had this conflict and here's what happened, right? So it's all about simplicity and it's about telling stories and it's about getting your narrative together. If you understand where you're coming from, where you're at and where you're going, and you understand how your skills bring value to the companies that you're talking to and why they wanna pay you a salary to do that role because they're gonna make money or save money off of it, and you can connect those dots for them in a simple, easy to understand way, you're gonna be leagues ahead from other people that you're interviewing against and you're going to be more likely to get the job. Okay, you, you can just continue again with the last section that you can share any information that you think we left from the questions that we had uh, that you think sure. is vital for the audience. I mean, I we, that was such a great stopping point, but, <laughs> but I do want to leave you with one more thought. And it's the thought that we shared at the beginning. And it's the realization that although it feels so personal and we feel very insecure and we feel like all this stuff is kind of stacked against us because you read a couple job descriptions and you're like, gosh, how can I find any job when entry level jobs need five years of experience? Just remember, this is marketing. This is storytelling. Some people might phrase it as this is lying. <laughs> I don't encourage lying, but you know, fibbing, let's say, uh, or over, I don't know, over, over sharing in some cases. But here's, here's the main thing you have to realize at the end of the day. These companies are not perfect. 
Companies are a bunch of people who have gotten together to try and achieve a goal and they're struggling to achieve it. That's what a company is. The reason they posted this job is because they are struggling. They are failing. They don't have their act together. You're not trying to get a company to give you a chance. No company is sitting around going, wow, look at all this money we have. Let's just give someone a chance. Companies sit around going, we're not making enough money. We need to hire this person. Or we're losing money and we need to hire this person to make us money or to save us money. They are failing and that's why they're talking to you. They're not this perfect organization. Not even Google is a perfect organization that is running perfectly smoothly. They are, to put it bluntly, shit shows that need your help. And your job is not to impress them. Your job is to help them. And if you're the most helpful person, they're going to want to work with you because the helpful people are the ones that get businesses to improve, not the arrogant people who think they know everything. So if you go in with this curious, helpful mindset and you take this company off its pedestal so that it's not such a scary thing to talk to, and you say, actually, this company kind of sucks and they need my help. I'm here to be helpful. And now you can have a productive conversation about ways in which you can help rather than defending yourself against like your expertise level. We're not trying to be perfect. We're trying to be helpful. I think I'll leave it at that. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Martin. Thank you very much for spending your time and being with us. I hope you have a great day. And uh, to our audience, I think uh, if you could just uh, follow, give our guest a follow, I think uh, he would really appreciate that. Uh, thank you, Mr. Martin. Thank you for having me. And I'm most active on LinkedIn. Um, I'm less active on Twitter. So if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, that's the best place to do it. Okay, thank you. So yeah, that's all we had. Thank you for coming, guys. Enjoy the rest of your night. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. If you found this conversation to be helpful, please like and subscribe wherever you are listening. We also appreciate it if you take the time to leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help us spread the word and get these ideas out to more job seekers looking to build their careers and improve their lives just like you. If you'd like to learn more about career therapy and see our different coaching options, you can head over to careertherapy.com to learn more. Thank you again for stopping by. We wish you all the best in the future of your career. Have a good one.